Is it like lime flavored? No, it's just plain. I don't know if that matters. <laughs> I'm like taking notes. Maybe, maybe if it was, it would. I imagine like, do you know uh, Crystal Pepsi? Yeah. I know of it, but I've never had it. But like, you like know like the gimmick, right? Yeah, I'm familiar. So like, apparently, if you like spray that like on like a white shirt, It'll stain yellow. That's very upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> Not surprising. Um, which I imagine probably also happens with Sprite. Well, there are a lot of, like, any... I think there are a ton of super bad-for-you beverages that are... They're just pure chemicals. I had a friend in high school who would dye her hair with Kool-Aid. A lot of people do that. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, it stayed in for a long time. Like, longer than it should have. That's, uh, I don't know, I, I never tried it, so I, I don't... I'm afraid to. I, I imagine it's probably not that bad for your hair. I'm sure it's fine for your hair, but, like, but, hair but, dye isn't good for your hair. Right, and then we put it in our bodies, and... Nothing, nothing's good for you. Yeah. Everything is chemicals. We all, we all die. We're all gonna die one day. Yeah, except me. I'm gonna... I'm going to be frozen, and then when they find a cure for death, they're bringing me back. See, I don't want that, because then I would have skipped so much time. I would be out of the loop. Yeah, but I'm kind of fine with that. Really? I think, I don't know, maybe... If you just died and then woke up 200 years in the future, wouldn't you be, like, disoriented a little bit? I'm sure I would, but I also, I like to think that I'm, like, intelligent enough that I would be like, oh, hey... These are things that are different. I can adapt. Oh, I don't think I would. I think I would just have a panic attack and, like, go back to bed. I don't know. I, it would go back to if bed or, like, die. Oh, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> you know, either's fine. What, I, I can't get the pop culture references. How am I going to relate? Yeah, but I don't know. I Everyone feel like, I know is dead. I feel like I would assuming. just become, like, a history professor. And I'd be like, this is what actually happened. Oh, okay. As if I pay attention to things that are happening right now. See, but, see, but like, you'd be an authority. Like, you could kind of, like... Like, I imagine, like, I could become, like, a 21st century... The early... I could be, like, a college professor, and I could teach, like, early 21st century uh, pop music... I feel like I can do that, but it would just be about historical things that do not matter. Like, you could be like, that's true. You could be like, well, actually, the Minions movie was the most important piece of pop culture at the time. Yeah, Which I mean, argument. that's debatable, but sure. But yeah, I don't know. I think it'd be cool. Um, yeah. It would be cool, I guess. Yeah. Um, Alright, that seltzer's kind of dried. So, uh, so I'm James Crowley. <laughs> I'm Marissa Winkowski. And uh, I'm going to be sniveling through this whole thing. And we're going to talk about death. And we're going to talk about death and uh, yeah. 13-year-olds. Yeah. And uh, breaking a monster. Yeah. Um, I was very charmed by this. I'm not sure why. Okay. I, 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 I thought it, I thought it was fine. Like, it wasn't, I didn't think it was, like, a masterpiece or anything. I wasn't, like, super invested in everything going on. But I really 
I was like really impressed by these kids. Like I think they're I liked very the kids. smart. Yeah. I I liked the kids and like I I thought I was gonna like this more. And I I'm kind of the opposite. I thought I was gonna like it less. Oh. I was... <laughs> so, so so now what do we do? Okay. Well did you know anything about this going into it? No, I did not. I read the Netflix synopsis. I had never heard of this band, and I know minimal knowledge about metal in general. Okay, I remember hearing about this when it happened because it was a big story in the music world. Like, these three kids from Brooklyn got a $1.8 million deal. Um, but I knew, I knew very little about their story. I knew that they had opened for, like, Marilyn Manson and, like, Metallica and, like, whoever. And that was, Mm -hmm. um, and I thought it was an interesting story, but, and I, I, obviously, like, something registered because I put the documentary on the list, but, yeah, I knew nothing else. Yeah, I mean, I had never heard of this band. I didn't, I had no idea what this was about. Everything I knew about the band I learned from watching the documentary. And I was like, oh, I guess they're like a big deal? I didn't know they were you know, such a thing that people were like talking about them and bringing them on talk shows, but like, they're talented. Right. Yeah, they I remember they were big at the time, but like, I don't think they ever got much recognition besides the when they got the record deal. I can't imagine they would. I mean, if they did, I probably wouldn't know because I don't frequent those circles. Right. But, um, but you know, they're still like a metal band, which is a niche genre already. Right. Um, that was like a big part. A big theme was um, we're kind of we're not doing pop and like what's right. popular in the mainstream. Yeah, and they were talking about. Um, they talked, they didn't talk a lot about it explicitly, but I do think it came up. They talked a little bit about race and metal. They did. Um, Oh, they did talk about it for sure. Because metal is a community. I don't necessarily know. I actually not, I don't think that it's the genre they were going for, but they kind of sounded like new metal to me. Which would okay. be like corn, one biscuit, um, stuff like that. Although they definitely had like metalcore. Um, this I don't want to turn into just me lecturing about different types of metal. No, it's okay. fine. <laughs> um, <Continue>. But um, <coughs> and that's gonna happen a lot. Um, but um, it's it's that like metal has a race problem, and it's. A, a lot of rock music does, I think. Um, because, well, yeah. Yeah. And, like, I, since I kind of fall within the punk community, I see how it's reflected in punk rock a lot, um, where the problem within the punk community is it's a lot of straight white dudes preaching about equality, but it's still just a room full of straight white dudes. Okay. Um, where... Metal, I do think, has kind of been more of, like, a breeding ground for, like, neo-Nazis. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I cannot confirm this, but I believe you. Um, not necessarily the genre they were playing, but, like, when I think about new metal, I think about bands like Kid Rock and Slipknot. I think about uh, Slipknot and... Uh, and uh, Limp Biscuit, but I also think about someone like Kid Rock, who Kid Rock um, is a very problematic figure. Uh, yeah, that is true. And uh, I hate him, and I hate his fans um, because they made fun of me on Instagram. But uh, <laughs> was it because you made fun of Kid Rock? It was because I made fun of Kid Rock in a bit. Um, but so I think it's important that there are three black kids that love heavy metal and are playing it and they're still together too that's that's good that makes me happy so and and like they've gotten older and like they're like cool looking dudes they're they're cool in this documentary i 
I don't know why this happens to me, but when I see kids who are, like, way smarter than I was when I was their age and, like, way cooler and, and like, more pragmatic and put together, I get jealous, like, as an adult. (laughs) They, like, because, like, they do show, they act like kids, but they also show a, a lot of emotional intelligence and, like, they they acknowledge the fact that they're like, look, we know we have to do all this stuff, but we also want we have goals that we want to work towards, and we also want time to be kids. Yeah, it, it was they are they were so realistic and self aware, and and like even the you know moments where they act like kids because they're kids, um, and maybe that's looked at as unprofessional. It was still like coming from a place of. It didn't um, frame them in a negative light. Right, yeah. It, it never felt like, oh, these kids are, like, being bratty and, like, not... And taking everything for granted. Like, that's... I didn't see it that way. They seemed like... They were very eloquent and good at expressing, like, what their feelings were about different directions the band was going. It was... I, I was, like, very intrigued by that. Even with the kid... Um, you, we mentioned race. Um, and... Malcolm was his name, who, like, sort of accidentally became the protagonist, I guess, if there is one, the kid with the, the curlier hair. Um, the kind of, like, afro-looking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he, um, the agent, I guess, I don't know what his official title is, but the agent was talking about how people think they're uh, being used as, like, liberal tokens. Yeah. Um... And he said, well, I don't think that's true. And Malcolm said, I think that's true. And I think that's okay. And I'm going to, like, use it. And it's fine. Yeah. Like, I thought that was really interesting. Like, whether or not he's correct or, like, who's in the right in this scenario. Like, I think that's interesting that he seems so aware of what's going on. But he's not going to let it, like, get under his skin. Yeah. And it seemed like he was able to, like... It was interesting because I forget the manager's name, um, but um, it seemed like you could see that the manager was trying to frame it as a negative thing, and he was trying to frame it in a way that he was trying to make him understand, but it didn't seem like he was really, it seemed like he was still condescending to him. Yeah. And and, uh, Malcolm was just like, no, I get it. Mm-hmm. I just disagree with you. Yeah, um, and it, it was like a very adult conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they they had those where they were like, we don't want to sit in meetings all day, we want to be in the studio, because they're like, we're going to go on the road, and people are going to say, we love your band, where can we listen to you, and how are they going to know where to find us? Mm-hmm. And that's valid. Yeah, which... Kind of from my time, like, looking into, like, playing in bands and stuff, it seemed like everyone said, like, you know, it's usually more helpful to have something ready to go when you start playing shows. Mm-hmm. And, like, the fact that they were playing these huge, you know, they were playing Warped Tour and they were playing uh, opening for Guns N' Roses and everything like that, and then, like, the Today Show... And it's like, okay, we're going to play this song, and there's nowhere to hear it. They had t-shirts, but they didn't have, like, a CD single. That's, that's like, unusual. That's not, yeah. that's not very good marketing. Yeah. Which should have come, which they should have had with the guy that founded the Jonas Brothers. Which he brought up, like, more than twice, <laughs> which is too many times, in my opinion. Um, yeah about his accomplishments with the Jonas Brothers and, uh, what was it? Uh, Welcome Back, Hotter. I, I can't remember. I remember. I don't know. Like, he, this was like, I guess this was his, I, I don't remember. He was like listing his accomplishments a lot. I, I felt like really uneasy about this dude. I didn't like him. Um, they also fired him. Like, like, right before this came out. Really? Yeah. That's very interesting. I'm not surprised. Um, they fired him, and they dropped out of their contract. Wow. Um, because they... 
Uh, I can't remember how old they were in this. They were 13. 13. So, like, 8th grade now, they're probably in 10th, 11th grade. Uh, I think they do have an understanding of the record industry just in the sense that, like, it is collapsing. And it's... Yeah. And, like, they... they you know, it's interesting that they were 13 and they had a million-dollar contract. But like it was a five album deal for one million for almost two million dollars, mm-hmm. which like is kind of bullshit. I think so. At least from what I could kind of gauge. Yeah. So yeah, I think that like they were in the right to drop out of the contract and to drop him because he was kind of he was sketchy. He was, there was something about the way he talked to them that really bothered me. Yeah. Um, not just in his decisions, which I think were not great. Like, he made decisions that disagreed with the band, that's one thing. But it just, it, he talked to them like he was their, uh, like, put-upon dad and not, like, someone who works for them. Right. And, like, it was, it was very condescending, the way he spoke. And I know they're kids, but I think, like, when, you're, when they're professionals and you're trying to, like... Uh, make smart decisions and collaborate, you, you gotta treat them like adults. Yeah. Um, or at least talk to them like adults. He did mention, so I read an interview uh, in my research with him um, <laughs> about getting dropped, and he said, he's like, I felt like they were like my grandkids, which that's probably not the relationship you should have with a client. Yeah. <laughs> also, they—I mean, maybe this is a little tacked on, but like right towards the end, he says, "Like I've always been a shitty father. Like I lost—I lost touch with my kids." And I was like, "Oh, okay." I kind of assumed that this, you're—I don't know—replacing someone, or yeah. that's just the sense that I got. That he—he he seemed like very uh, fatherly, but in a bad way. Like, yeah. like not someone they could look up to, but someone who was kind of controlling. And yeah, I felt that was that shine most in that scene uh, where they're all playing the video. When uh, is that J- uh, Jared? Yeah, was playing video games and he's just like screaming at him, and he's like, yeah. "You're having the kids sit there while you just try to make phone calls. Of course, he's gonna want to play video games." Yeah. Which was also this, I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing, but I thought it was a weird thing he kept bringing up. He kept saying, these kids know L.A. from playing Grand Theft Auto. I feel like I heard that a lot. He he said stuff like that a lot, which, I mean, how do you expect them to know L.A.? They haven't been there. Right. And, (laughs) like, it sounded, it just... This is gonna lead to a tangent, but it felt like when I like talk to my mom before I go on a job interview, and she says, "Make sure you let them know you're good with social media," and I'm like, "Do you even know what that means?" <laughs> I mean, my mom thinks I'm a genius because I know how to like send emails. Uh, mine too, but, I'm, but and she's just like, "Let them know you're good with social media," and I'm like, "That." She's like, I'm gonna tell my friend you're good with social media, and I'm like, that's yeah. not gonna help me get a job. <laughs> Everyone's good with social media. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of what it felt like, where he's like, these kids, they know LA. Well, because yeah, it's like, of course they. It's kind of stating the obvious, yeah. but not really getting anywhere with it. Yeah. Um. This is one I wish I took more notes on. I question for you. Okay. Um, you like metal and you know things about metal and you listen to it. Yes. Right? Do you like this band? Like, remove all context. Like, because um, they, they're controversial. So before I before I watched the documentary, I put on some of their songs. Uh, before you watched it. Yeah, just just to kind of like do prep and like get a feel. Um I don't, I think at a certain point I would have, but I don't think I would have loved them, um, because they kind of play genres that I never was super into. Um, I had, I had a metalcore phase 
which is definitely what they're going for. But I was never like that was short lived. Um, and like, it's not a surprise that they played at Warp Tour because mm-hmm. like it, their sound really does fit in well with sort of the chugging metal. And I think it's really impressive what they do, but it's not. I don't know. It kind of it's more impressive than good, in my opinion. That's kind of how I felt, like, because I don't know that much about metal. Like, what I do know is just, I like what I like, and it isn't a lot. But I I don't have, like, an aversion to it or anything. I'm very indifferent about the genre in general. Um, But, like, well, first of all, they play the same song, like, many, many, many times, which I, after a while, I was like, okay. But I was more impressed with what they were doing than this isn't something I would seek out but like watching them play I was very impressed by them like I thought they were good but I wasn't sure why I thought they were good because this is not something I would ever listen to yeah it kind of what you end up seeing a lot is if you go you know if you go on YouTube you could find a million videos of like Kids playing uh, Eruption by Eddie Van Halen. Or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you could find people that, you know, they're talking about how fast they could um, tap and how fast they could, like, uh, what's the term? Like, play arpeggios and things like that, uh, which is all really impressive. And a lot of it's really technically good and it takes a lot of skill to play that way. But, like, there's not a lot of it that I want to sit and listen to, like, in my free time just because it's so technically tight that it almost feels robotic. And to be totally honest, I think that one of the big detriments that the studio system put on these kids was telling them that they needed vocals on their music. Yeah. Because, um... Because what's impressive is their, um, their instrumental abilities. Yeah, and um, Malcolm's not a great singer. Uh, from the more recent stuff I've listened to, it sounds like he's grown. But as far as I could tell, they, w- they were never interested in playing vocal music. That's, that's interesting, because there's so much of this documentary is like um, the, the playing that's song over and over again, for one, and two, like, talking about him training his voice, right. and him being kind of insecure about it. Right, which is why, which is why they needed so much training in it, and, um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's just a passing mention that they're, like, they're making us put vocals on it. That's so interesting, because the, the song itself, I don't think is necessarily bad. It's just repetitive. Like, I, I, I just got sick of it. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> even, the, even the instrumental parts are repetitive. They're, yeah. Um, and, like I said, they're very impressive and technically very good. But it's not... I don't know. Like, when I, when I listen to metal, I like... I like Slayer... I like Metallica. I like like Judas Priest, who are all bands that, even though have these strong technical abilities and they have the shredding and stuff, I do get a sense of what James Hetfield is singing about, or uh, with Judas Priest, what Rob Halford um, discusses, and that comes in their image and things too. Or with more modern metal, I like I love a band like Death Heaven. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'm gonna fanboy out, out about Death Heaven because okay. they're so fucking good. Uh, but I like them because they do these weird sonic structures where, like, it's almost like, it's a drone and like it's not metal for people that it's it's more metal for people that don't like metal, which makes a lot of metalheads unhappy. Um, but like gatekeepers. But, like, it's just—it's more sonically interesting for me to hear all that. And even though Death Heaven to me sounds instrumental, I know that it's not. And it's more 
it's more something I could put on for like you know, world building, I guess, mm-hmm. of my own imagination, where this is very cut and dry, and it wouldn't be something that I would put on unless I'm like, okay, I have to run for three miles, and I just need something chugging <laughs> in the background. And I think that when they throw the vocals on, that kind of cuts into it, and... uh you mm-hmm. can kind of tell he's singing, I'm a monster, I'm a monster. That's what I would expect a 13-year-old to write, but also, yeah. like, it's not, I don't know. I, I had better lyrics when I was 13. Um. <laughs> yeah, the lyrics are, um, you know, I've heard worse, but... Yeah, and, you know, it's just, I don't know, there, there's no real passion behind it. Do you think there's uh, some clout to the <coughs> they're uh, so as successful as they were because it it's kind of a gimmick because they're not not necessarily like a token of liberalism but like people find them cute. Um, I I'm conflicted about it because I think that. It, it is kind of a gimmick that, you know, they're 13 years old. Uh, you know, the most impressive thing is that they're 13 years old. And then it's, they, they stand out as a 13-year-old metal band because they're three black kids. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm sure they're not the only band of 13-year-olds that play metal. Yeah. Um, um, but they're talented, yeah. I think. Uh, they are. They're definitely very talented. And I think even, like, you know, you could see that they're driven, too. Because oh, yeah. I'm sure there are plenty of bands of 13-year-olds with, like, maybe one kid can play really well. Mm-hmm. And then everyone else is kind of struggling to keep up. And you could see that they're passionate in it. There's, like, the scene where, like, the... I think it was Malcolm was just in his house with, like, a drum machine and his guitar, and he's just, like, playing into garage band. Yeah. And I think that that's really good and strong. Um, I don't know. I, so I, I think, hold on. Cause even though this got a lot of buzz, I don't, you know, I, there's not a whole lot about them. Other than, um, other than things about their contract and then that they uh, dropped off their contract and things like right. that. Right. Um, but I saw recently... Um, let's see if it'll come up. So they have 97,000 likes on Facebook. That's fine. That's good. Yeah. Um, I have two mutual friends that like them. And let's see. Uh, So I think maybe it was the other day. Um, They like are still playing shows. And, like, uh, okay, yeah, they played a show over the weekend that I was a little tempted to go to. Uh, oh. Because I knew I was going to be in the city, and I knew we were talking about this. So I was like, oh, maybe. Um, but I don't think that they were the headliner either, though. What was the event? Was it, um... It was just, like, a metal show. At, oh, okay. Uh, the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn. Um, so, I, I I don't know, that's the thing, is I don't know if, since it's not really a scene that I'm involved in anymore, I don't know if I could comfortably say whether or not they're going to kind of be able to ride out longer since they aren't the cute 13-year-olds anymore. Mm. I mean, that 
that could be a good starting point. Like, they can continue this trajectory, but just not as, um, as a gimmick. Right. Like, be, maybe use this as a, like, kind of like Hanson, where <laughs> they started out, uh, cute and gimmicky and, uh, uh, people, I mean, you know, obviously, like, different genre, different right. time. Uh, but now <laughs> they're, kind, lot, but they're kind of a genuine <laughs> pop rock. They're like a real band. They yeah. didn't, they continued, <laughs> um, and it, it's the same as it was before. It's just now they're adults, and they can make what they want to make, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and I, I hope that they keep playing, because, like, they play frequently around, um, the city. Um, they, it looks like they do some minor touring. Um, but yeah, and I hope that they can grow as a band and it looks like now they have more of like a defined image and stuff. Like mm -hmm. I watched one of their recent videos and it looks like they were all wearing like trendy clothes and like, they like, like, there's the stereotype that, like, metal dudes are all kind of, like, gross and grimy. Um, and most of them are. But, um, they looked like handsome guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's the stereotype they're breaking. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing else. Well, there are, you know, there have been metal bands with people of color, but, yeah. like, I, now I'm gonna struggle to name one. Um... Well, it's just, I guess, like, uh, any genre of music, it's going to be more, um, not that they don't exist, but, like, it's going to be more one demographic than another, just because that's what happens. It's yeah. just culture. But that, it doesn't mean um, diversity doesn't exist in whatever genre you're talking about. It's just who makes it to the forefront. Yeah, and I do... I don't keep my finger on metal nearly as much as I used to. But, like, I notice, like, within, like, punk rock that that's shifting a little, that the problems they have is shifting a lot, where there are more and more female artists that are rising to prominence. Um, my favorite punk band right now uh, is a band called Great White, um, and it's all, it's all black kids from Queens, I think. And, like, they're getting traction. They're, like, appearing on the Chris Gethard show. Um, and, like, I'm starting to see, like, friends of mine that aren't necessarily, like, people that are, I would think of as, like, punk people, but, like, keep tabs on everything. I started listening to them, and I kind of hope that metal is shifting a little bit. Um, because now, a lot of the time, when I think of metal, I think of... Uh, there's a song by uh, an artist named Adam and his package called um, Hats Off for Halford, which is about the lead singer of Judas Priest um, coming out as gay. Um, but he also says, like, I wish there were more gay metalheads to piss off those Nazi fuckers in Slayer. Um, <laughs> Which, guys in Slayer have never outright said they're Nazis, but also Tom Araya has said some pretty off-color things in the past mm. year or two. Um, but that's progress, I guess. Kinda, maybe. That's something. And, I don't know, I... Uh, I don't have a... Uh, it, I feel a little uncomfortable talking about race and metal because I'm white. Um, Fair. Because I'm not a metal guy. But um, I saw Marilyn Manson um, last September, um, and I think I've spoken about this a lot, so I'll keep it brief. Um, <laughs> but I noticed that, you know, I was walking around, and I'm like, oh, there's actually a lot of diversity here. Mm -hmm. And, like, I saw um, a band, Him, like, a month or two after that, who was another metal band I grew up with. And uh, that was, like, a mostly Hispanic crowd. Mm -hmm. So, like, there is some change being made, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think, just a guess, I think um, diverse fans of anything have always existed. Right. Um, fans, I mean. Right. But um, 
but it's just a matter of like who is as time change who's more welcome in these spheres yeah um and that that's what's changing it's not that um they're being dissuaded from listening to it it's that you didn't see it as much yeah before i suppose yeah i don't know I'm, I'm like, also just talking about this out. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. I mean, there's no, like, I don't, I don't want to say, um, you know, like, oh, they're only famous because of a gimmick, because, like, one that's condescending and right. dismissive of their talent and hard work, which they clearly have, um, because, so I don't want to write them off, it's just, the, I guess it's just the question of, like, would they have been as big, um, Otherwise, and I, I mean, you never know. It's hard to say. I think, to be totally honest, I think the fact that I, I, I don't want to write, like you said, I don't want to write off their talent, but I do think the fact that they were kids was... I think the fact that they were kids matters more. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, a lot. Um, and, like, I think that... You know, maybe where they were, because they were playing in Times Square. Yeah. Um, where, you know, you, you're going to be seen by a lot of people if you're in Times Square, no matter what. And mm-hmm. I think that that almost definitely helped them. Yeah, I think so, yeah. sure. And, yeah, yeah, I think that that's... But, like, yeah... I think what you said with them being like Hanson is probably the best comparison. And that's and that's not a bad thing because I not that I recall because this is before my time, but I hear that people didn't care for Hanson when they were children. Right. <laughs> um. Uh. But they're taken seriously now. As a, now that these kids aren't taken seriously, it's just they feel like the backlash against them is probably a little unfair. Yeah, I think that... Well, I I don't know if there's been a lot of backlash. I think that... I do think that a lot of the praise is a little half-hearted. Okay. If that makes sense. Where I think you'll get a lot of... You'll get a lot of grown men that are like, yo, these kids rock! And it's just like... And it's... And they're only praising the fact that they're kids. That's, that's why I think, like, a lot of the winners of America's Got Talent have been kids, <laughs> solely because they're kids. Like, if, if an adult was singing the same way, they probably wouldn't have won. Like, like, oh, that's, of course that's, that's less interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be cuteness. It's more just kind of the sense that you're like, Oh well, their their art is more mature yeah. than their age. And these kids are like genuinely funny. <laughs> yeah. I think, like I, I think they're like I would hang out with them now as a creepy twenty three year old. <laughs> like they're they're funny. They're like um, I there was a point where, and I think he meant it very sincerely, but like I was laughing. He was, uh, one of the kids, I forgot which one, um, was told he could no longer, uh, play GTA, and he said, like, the Disney Channel. Can you believe that's all I have left? And he was, like, looking out into the distance. <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> it was so sincere. Ah, uh, I forgot about that. That's a good line. Like, I wrote it down. Because <laughs> I was laughing. I, it, was, it was very genuine. Uh, and it's an introspective. It's really, it's really ironic too, just because um, the guy kept saying, "Like I signed the Jonas Brothers, I did everything with." He he kept talking about how he did everything for Disney, and he's just yeah. like, "Can you fucking believe this? Just the Disney." Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's. I don't, yeah, I think that yeah, the kids are what made this documentary. I think so because like if. This documentary, not their reputation as a band, just this documentary aside, like, I probably wouldn't have cared as much about this um, had the kids not been compelling. And they were, like, they had very distinct personalities, uh, and they were, I was impressed by them. Yeah. I kind of, so my, my one 
gripe with the, it. It kind of felt similar to the Lady Gaga documentary. Yes, that's true. But then you could probably say that about a lot of music documentaries. Right. It's hard to make them right. uh, stand out. Which I think that I think that that will end up being my problem when we get to other documentaries just because mm-hmm. they're all kind of so many of them are kind of samey it's uh, hard to make them different right where even though i i liked the kids i thought they were charming i thought that they were smart and interesting i was also just kind of like okay when's the when someone going to do cocaine um, <laughs> it's still a very uh, standard music documentary, like a by yeah. the numbers. Yeah. Actually, I thought it was funny the scene with um, where the kid just wants a Coca Cola, but he oh, keeps yeah. saying Coke. And the way if you removed all context oh, and you just watched that scene by itself, this is like a a drugged out of his mind, haggard, exhausted. <laughs> a celebrity rock star that just wants drugs. (laughs) Well, I I remembered that. And, like, he's just like, I'm going to be here all day. I need my Coke. (laughs) It really, it almost looked like it was staged. It was so flawless the way that scene turned out. Yeah. And, like, the agent, like, going out and spilling the Coke on the sidewalk that... I see that like akin to you know flushing someone's drugs down the toilet, you know, because you care about them. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that scene, but like, yeah, that's I don't know that that might have actually been staged. Now that you it might have been, that. but although I do think about it in the sense that like, you know, I was a bratty thirteen-year-old once, where I, I yeah, I'd say to my <laughs> I'm like, Mom, I need my Coke. And she's just like, no, you're not having another Coke. Mm-hmm. And, like, would just, like, dump it down the drain or something. Yeah, and it's it's not that... I mean, this could have totally been staged, but it also totally could not have been because that's it was very real. <laughs> it seemed very true to life. And it was funny, but... Um, but it seemed like a very real interaction between this kid and the agent. Although I don't, I don't feel like any documentary is fully candid. They're all staged. Yeah. They're all a little scripted. That's fine. Yeah. What did you think of um, when they banned him from skateboarding? I, I was, I don't know. I didn't fully understand. Why? They didn't make it that clear. I mean, it was a concern for his well-being. Um, but my, my understanding was they were worried about him falling and breaking his wrist. I, I don't know. I feel like any, any kid can fall and break their wrist doing anything. He could fall and break his wrist walking downstairs and slipping. I don't know. I, I feel like maybe... How how much can you take away from a kid? <laughs> yeah, I was. I'll be honest. I was a little polarized by it. Mm-hmm. Just because I've heard about like some older metal guys being like, "Oh yeah, I broke my arm in a motorcycle accident, and now I'll never play guitar again." That's. I mean, that's true. And I, I've seen. Um, uh, I, I saw a band at a jazz club. <laughs> I don't remember his name. Mike Stern and his band. Um, I think the the bassist. He has his arm in a sling, like permanently. He can't, no. Um, fuck. I think it's Mike Stern himself. <laughs> I've only seen this band one and a half times. Um, he has his arm in a sling and he plays, but it's the notes are like a little wonky and it's like a little painful for him, but he just does it. Right. But that that will never not be a problem. Like, this has been going on for you. It's going to be a problem for the rest of his life. Right. I think uh, I'm going to get the guy wrong because the band has had a million guitarists, but I think it's Dave Elfson of Megadeth. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he, like, broke his hand, like, in a door somehow. Ah! Um, I, 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 I kind of don't feel bad when that happens to people. It's a door. 
Unless I, someone I, did it to you. But what an embarrassing way to get injured. Yeah, but he broke his arm like that when he was, like, a kid, I think. Not, like, a kid, but, like, a teenager or, like, a young adult. And, like, he said, like, it permanently altered his guitar playing. Where he was still able to play, he was still able to play metal, but he had to, like, change it. Which, so I kind of get why they were like, you can't skateboard, but... I get it, but I don't know. I feel like there are other solutions to doing that. I I feel like, um, you know, you could have limited where he skateboards or... Right, and I think they kind of compromised that well where the mother, who I really like, I really like... um, Me too. She, like, took him to the store and was like, we're getting you everything. You know, you're going to look lame, but you'll still be able to do this thing that you like to do, and you won't. I like the mother a lot. She she's, she took no shit, but she really cared about him being happy. Like, I, I really like her. Yeah. And, like, she, she was a very, she kind of, she reminded me a little bit of, like, a theater parent where, like, it's someone that's, like, trying to, like, make their kid successful. But she also, like you said, made sure her kid was happy. Yeah, and I never, I, I feel like she's the, she was the kind of person who didn't realize that this could be a thing and never really thought about it. And then once it started to become a thing, she started it, less excited but more worried. Yeah. Which is maybe a good sign that she's, like, more protective. And yeah, Where she, um, she would say things. She would say things like, "Look, I'm not someone in this industry. I don't know how it yeah. works." But also, like, she's like, "My kid is still a kid." Yeah. So yeah, I liked her. I liked her. Yeah. I liked plenty of people in this movie. Just I didn't care for the agent. I I didn't like any of the music industry people. I liked, I didn't mean either, but they weren't. You know, they were just there. Yeah, I liked. Um, the person I was kind of surprised that I liked was the producer, who I think plays in Disturbed. Um, and he, uh, it, I kind of, when they first brought him in, I was kind of, like, iffy about him, because I'm like, oh, he's he's just, like, a guy that he's like, I'm getting paid, and, like, I have to record these kids. And, like, yeah. he didn't seem happy. But then when he's, like, coaching um, Malcolm on how to sing, like, I'm like, oh, cool. He's, like, yeah, giving him solid advice. Also, the guy who, when they were trying on different clothes, the guy who was helping them pick out clothes, I loved him. He was great. He was, um, they were trying things on and the agent didn't like it. And this guy was like, no, you guys, oh, yeah. wear what makes you feel cool. Yeah. If that makes you feel cool, then you're going to play the best music. And I was like, that's great. That's so sweet. I don't know. I, I feel like, they, I mean, they had a ton of, you know, um, conflict within, obviously, that was like the whole point of the documentary. But I feel like I never got the sense that, that they weren't being supported. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's why I kind of, I, I felt like, a little charmed by this documentary. I don't know why. I can't really explain it. I, I think I just like seeing them succeed and stand up for themselves. Like, I thought that was good. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. Because, if... so I guess the flip side is we did touch on a lot but I don't think there's a lot to be said about this. This is a stupid thing to say now. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, it's um, it's very short and very simple. I think simple in a good way. I um, I think my issue is there isn't much of an arc, and it kind of leaves in a weird place. It ends very abruptly. Yeah. I will say that. Where I think that it should have gone a little bit longer, and I think it should have ended with them ending their contract. Or I, maybe they finished filming by that point. Right, which I um, think they had, but it it felt more... I felt more finality 
reading about it beforehand, mm-hmm. then I felt after watching it. <laughs> I guess it's... Because on the one hand, if they did add that, that would have felt tacked on, but then they didn't add that, so it felt abrupt. Like, yeah. it felt like a very awkward end. I don't know if there's a good way to end this. If they'd it wait, just kind of happened. If they had filmed for, what, two, three more years? And so make, said, like, they're make playing it, a knitting the, factory. The answer is make it a, a <laughs> lifetime TV series, yeah. a reality series. Not that that would ever get picked up, but... I, uh, it seemed like... I mean, not by lifetime. Maybe a different network. MTV Classic. Apparently, I heard that Dance Moms was originally supposed to be just, like, a one-shot documentary, but they just kept going, and they're still going, and it's been, like, eight years. Wasn't that also sort of the thing with, like, toddlers and tiaras? Uh, I think, maybe. Both, both of those shows, like, make me ill. I think Pawn Stars was supposed to be that, too. Really? Where, like, it was supposed to be, like, a like a National Geographic documentary about, like, the pawn industry. And then I, like, I guess the content is too interesting. It is. <laughs> I love like, Pawn Stars so much. Hmm? I love Pawn Stars so much. I like concerts. I watch it on YouTube every day. Um, But yeah. um, I think we touched on a lot. I I think so. Do you think? There's only so much you can say about something that's like standard, but I don't know. I I liked it. I I I wasn't amazed by it, but I, like, I'm glad I saw it, definitely. I thought, I thought it was fine. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't feel bad that I watched it, but... No. I, I don't know. I think I had higher expectations. I think I, I had low expectations, and that was fine. That's fine. Maybe that's the lesson is going with low expectations. That's, that's a good way to look at it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, hopefully next time I go to a metal show. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they frequent Brooklyn a lot. You are the puppet master. You can't take my soul. You'll never be because of your control.